0: In Perth I went to Perth on Friday morning and uh, went straight from the airport to a meeting straight to a meeting to uh, where I was staying then in the morning straight to the airport at 7:30 uh, at in the morning and then straight back to Adelaide and then sat around Adelaide for like five hours because my plane was delayed so here we are today um, but I was there on behalf of the uh, South Australian, Uh, Australian Christian Church's state executive meeting with uh, their state executive uh, to um, find out how they do things, what they do, and uh, now I have to write a report, so that's great. Um, But I want you to turn your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 21, and uh, it should come up on your screens, I think, in a minute, but uh, as as you know, um, we don't just talk about money in church. I have been for the last few weeks. I've been doing a series on on being free financially. And uh, uh, Jesus had a lot to say about money. We'll look at that in a second. But it says in Luke chapter 21, verses 1 to 4, While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. Everybody say everything. everything. When we think of that word everything, it means everything, the whole lot. So I don't know about you, but when I, when I read this story, I think, Jesus, now you're being very inappropriate. You know, sometimes we do inappropriate behaviour and people say, that was inappropriate. I know as a teenager, I used to think, I I just didn't know how to live without stepping over the line into saying the wrong stuff all the time. And I remember my sister, my brother, my mum, all of them always saying, Rob, you can't say that kind of stuff to people. And I was always like saying the wrong stuff all the time. Inappropriate. Well, in, in my view, I'm thinking, Jesus, that's inappropriate watching the offering. Could you imagine it? If there was somebody where if if we had someone inspecting your offerings, would you think that's a little bit odd? Someone sitting there, or maybe what going along the lines how we do it, maybe a little bit difficult, but but someone watching, oh, how much did they put in? You'd be thinking that's a little bit awkward here, Jesus. In Hebrews 13, verse 8, here's a little, little bit of a twist to, to this, it says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I just want to throw this one, a little sneaky one in. Jesus is still watching the offering. It's a little bit sneaky. Jesus a little bit inappropriate. But when it comes to our spirit and, and how we give, Jesus, who is still the same yesterday, today, and forever, he still watches the offering. It's not something I do, it's what something Jesus does. So what we learn is Jesus gauges the heart of a person in these kind of ways. That's how he gauges where, where we are in our relationship with him. So Jesus talked, here's, here's a quote here, Jesus talked much about money. Uh, Sixteen times of the 38 parables were concerned with how we handle money and possessions. Uh, in the Gospels, an amazing one out of 10 verses, that's 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. Uh, the Bible offers 500 verses on prayer. You'll love this. Less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 on money and possessions. thats uh, uh, I've got the source there—is from uh, preaching today. So what I want us to, to understand, church, is we don't always talk about money. I've done that for the last three weeks. This is... I, I, this is Hopefully, the last one. I think it is. But money is a big part of life, and it's a big part of our spiritual life. And we need to we need to be able to talk about every part of our life, just like we want to talk about faith, talk about forgiveness, talk about love, talk about grace. We also need to do something on our finances because we it is a very big part of who we are and how we uh, navigate our way through life. So. I think it is something we ought to preach uh, in church, uh, sometimes at least, not all the time. So, uh, money, in Jesus' perspective, reveals the heart. In Luke chapter twelve thirty four, it says where Jesus said this: "Wherever your treasure is, and when Jesus speaks about something, I think it's pretty right, because he's he's the he's he's God, so he knows what he's saying." Luke 12, 34, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So it's 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 not about, well, my heart says I, I love this, and then there's no follow-up to that. What we love is what we'll invest in. Basically, that's what Jesus was saying. So money reveals the heart. Treasure is where your heart is and now this may not necessarily be money a treasure where the heart is could be any number of lifestyle choices where god isn't let in you know lifestyle choices could be lots of stuff could be anything if i mention some of those things it will offend somebody so we won't mention any but it's lifestyle choices where, where our investment goes, where our, where our time goes, where our energy goes, where our, our passion goes. And that can mean lots of things to different people. Some people don't have any one thing. It's just like lots of things. And, and, and life is just, um, uh, uh, just wasted, I guess, just on lots of little things, but nothing really major. But uh, Jesus reveals the intention of people's hearts by how they use their money. That's what Jesus is saying in this scripture. And I want us to look at uh, three stories that Jesus told about people and money. Um, I've, I've sort of found three different groups of people. Um, if hey, Oh, sorry. Here we go. It does work. There's scammers, there's hoarders, and there's good-hearted people. So um, there's a scammer there. He's got his laptop and he's saying, give me, um, give me your password. For your bank account and he'll put money in for you there's the the hoarder we see a house there with uh, lots of treasure and there's also a good-hearted person which is a picture there of uh, simpson and his donkey which we, you probably all know that story but uh where are we going to go to scammers hoarders and the good hearts luke chapter 16 verses 1 to 8 is a story of a scammer the story of a corrupt manager we won't read it all out this morning um but, but this, this scammer, it says he, he, he was dealing the management for uh, a company, for a boss. And he was doing things incorrectly, wrongly, uh, scamming the business. And he does deals against his employer to get favours for himself. So um, the manager, um, it, it, he was doing shonky things, I guess is a great way to describe it. Um, he's putting out shonky invoices to the customers. So if a customer owed 200 bucks, he would change it to only 100. Because he's thinking, well, uh, the 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 manager is is getting scrutinized. I guess the the company's putting out an audit on him and they're saying things aren't right here. So it looks like I'm going to lose my job. So what I'll do is I'll go to all the customers and I'll rewrite all their invoices so that they know that I'm letting them off the hook and then when I'm out of a job, then I've got all these friends who are going to help me. That's his motivation, but he's a scammer and uh, um, he changed all the invoices and and uh, um, he he did the wrong thing for his for his employer he's a bad manager and this manager is dishonest with another person's another person's business to benefit himself and when we think of that lots of different ways but there's there's uh, scammers everywhere in life who want to uh, do the wrong thing another scammer we read in the Bible is um, Zacchaeus, he was a, th- that story was a, a, a parable that Jesus told. This one, Zacchaeus, he's a real life scammer. And I've spoken, I've mentioned him a lot in this series, but I think he's a person we need to notice. Um, because with Zacchaeus, although he'd lived his life scamming others out of their possessions because he was a tax collector for the Romans and uh, he, they had lots of different ways and they could actually invent any kind of tax that they wanted to to, to extort money out of people, um, and, and that was what they did. But uh, when he met Jesus, he had a heart change. Something shifted, and the evidence of the heart change in Zacchaeus was that money no longer had a hold of him. If you read the story, you'll see that, Luke chapter 19, verse 8 and 9, um, and we ought to expect to see redemption in people just like that. Where they were going down one path, one, one passion had their whole life and their focus and their, their perspective was all built around that. And when they come into this relationship with Jesus, that can all change. And we need to believe that happens. We need to know that that does happen and that uh, um, it's a sign that their life has changed, the perspective has, has altered. And it would be nice to think that um, just being with Jesus heals our greed. I've got one word for that, and that is Judas. Because I, I like to preach, hey, you know, people come and meet Jesus, they come to church, they start to, that start to discover a new reality, start to discover uh, a spiritual part of life, and, and everything's going to work out well. Well, that's a good theory, except we have characters like Judas. And he's a scammer who never changed. That's an interesting thought. So we can't, we can't just say, well, I go to church... I go. I go to worship. I pray. I read my Bible. I do all these things to to think that just in that we're going to deal with our heart because we have a power of choice. So he spent years with Jesus, this Judas, but his greed for money never changed. We find in John chapter twelve verse six it says he would he would often take money out of the. The, uh, the offerings that people gave to Jesus and his disciples to do the ministry and it says John would often help himself to the money. So they'd go out on tour, go, go with Jesus to different parts to, to be ministering and, and they're, they're, Jesus is ministering, he's healing the sick, he's casting out demons, he's, he's uh, raising dead people and, and there's, there's Judas in the corner eating a cheeseburger and, and, and a large fries and because he's, he's just ripped off the, the money tin. He's okay. He's just enjoying the ride. He's, he's using it for his own benefit. His greed for money never changed. So Judas, so eager for money, he even sold his friendship with Jesus for money. It's a pretty scary thought. And when it came to it, loyalty, his loyalty was with money, not with Jesus when it came down to the end of it. It's a pretty sad story. And we need to guard our heart and our integrity and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal in us where our loyalty lies. And that's one of the reasons we have money. It's one, one of the things that Jesus uses to reveal our heart intention and where we are with him. Who's having fun with this message this morning? Enjoying this? It's Like chewing broken glass. So we look at the hoarder this morning. When I use this term hoarder, uh, I think I, I don't know if I've got a separate thing. Hoarders. Luke chapter twelve, verse sixteen and nineteen. But when I use the term hoarder, we may think of the old codger with rusting junk all around the house. Um, I think I've got that tendency. Uh, or you know another version of a hoarder is the crazy cat lady with garbage throughout the house with Piles of books and women's weeklies and and all that sort of stuff just never ever thrown any of them out, um, but what we're looking at is something slightly different this morning. Those who hoard money um, don't really enjoy life as such, but they're preoccupied preoccupied with every cent, and and where where um, they, they 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 might have money in the bank, they might have investments, but but they'll, they'll squeal over you know, a, a cent or two different at the petrol station per litre. They'll worry about those things and it's, it's a, uh, an unhealthy hoarding of, of money. Uh, it's like they're saving for a rainy day, as the saying goes, but for a hoarder, uh, it never ever rains enough to actually spend anything. It's like they save and save and save, but there's no joy in their life. There's no happiness. There's no freedom. It's like the money becomes the burden that most people would think if they just had money, it would be freedom. And so a hoarder, when it comes to financial hoarders, it doesn't matter how much money they get, it actually becomes more and more of a burden and more and more of a, of a issue. So there's a type of hoarder who only cares about themselves and their own money. Not even their comfort, so long as they have money, is the main focus. Um, so in Luke chapter 12, verse 16 and 19, it describes a person, not exactly with money, but he was a hoarder. It says he was a rich man. It said he, it said he was a farmer, a rich, successful farmer. So we're going to translate to modern language today and we'll say that he had a business, a successful business. Um, And he didn't have enough room for all his stuff. So it says he tore down his his barn, his silo, and he built a huge big mega silo uh, to put all his stuff in. And so he he closed all his accounts, if we're looking at modern days, and he he put them all into a big super investment account that was going to have accelerated interest, and he, he put it all in there. And when he put it all into that super accelerated account, he said, That's it. Now everything's all in one big bundle. I'm going to sit back and watch it increase. So he lit a cigar and had a non-alcoholic grape juice. He said, now I'm going to eat, drink and be merry and watch my investment climb. He had it made, so to speak. And he sat and watched it computer all day watching his investment go but what happened that night it says but that night he died that's not how the script is supposed to go he's supposed to live happily ever after not die and go somewhere else and not be happy and Jesus finishes the story by saying uh, you're a fool to be wealthy. It doesn't say that. I think I made that, that thing up. That's not from the Bible. It says that you're a fool to be wealthy but have a poor relationship with your Heavenly Father. So it's, it's not wrong to have money. It's not wrong to, to be smart in your investments. It's not wrong to be a wise business person. But what, what, what you always have to be considering is how is my relationship with God? How is my life, how is my heart with God? Do I do um, uh, bad management things to feather myself and to protect my own interest, or do I do things based upon what is uh, best for my relationship with God? So it's not a fool to be wealthy, but it is to be stingy and only to think of yourself. That was a quote from me. It's that the Bible doesn't say that, so you might get confused. Um, so... That's the hoarder. But there's good-hearted people. Luke chapter 10, verse 30 and 35. Story you may have heard of, we call it the Good Samaritan. And it says this in in Luke chapter uh, 10. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. It says in verse 31, by chance a priest came along. Wouldn't you think if you were half dead by the side of the road and a priest came along you'd think, oh, beauty, a priest. He'll have compassion. He'll notice me bleeding, lying, with my legs broken. It says the priest saw him lying there and he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. And then it says a temple assistant another religious person, walked over, at least a, a temple assistant walked over and looked at him, lying there, but he also passed on the other side of, of the road. Then it, it, the, for us to get the full impact of this story, it says a despised Samaritan. So this story, Jesus is speaking to Jews, and Jews and Samaritans hated each other. They were like their arch enemy. They were like the, they, they like the skirm between martels, as they say. They didn't didn't like each other at all. So this Samaritan, an ethnic person, came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him and going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man. And if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. So wouldn't we all like someone like that to find us when we're in trouble, when we're beaten on the side of the road, to have someone come and say, I'll pay to get you out of this mess. See, religion in this story doesn't have the right heart. Sorry, I'm going a bit ahead of myself. Religion in this story doesn't have a heart because the religious in this story they turned away they chose not to see and sometimes that's that's a um, a, an excuse that we use even today when we when we know of things but we think well I'll just pretend that I didn't hear that I'll pretend I didn't see that and we in a sense walk across to the other side of the road and don't help but it says that there was that man, an ethnic man passing by, who had a good heart. And we see his heart because of where he put his money. He pulls out two silver coins and he pledges, if this man's tab runs higher than that, I've got it covered. So he, 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 his heart is revealed by what he does with his money. He's got nothing to gain. He's he's probably not going to make a friend of this Jewish person on the side of the road by by paying for his bills. He's he's probably got nothing to gain socially, but because of a good heart. He's thinking, my heart goes out to this person and I'm going to be generous towards him. But God does something with what, uh, sorry, God does something with what the good heart gives. And that's where we see the spark of miracles. God does something with what the good heart gives. So we need to be desiring to be the person that sparks something good because of our heart attitude. So what is incredible in God is God has everything already. He gives people the opportunities Although God already has everything. You think God doesn't need that. We started the story today with that lady giving her offering, two little, two little copper coins. God doesn't need that. He's already got everything. Because it's not about what God needs, it's what has got your heart. That's the difference that we need to, we need to be thinking about. John chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus and his uh, disciples... And this is an incredible story where one boy's opportunity to be generous sparked a massive miracle. John chapter 6, 9 says there's a young boy here because they had thousands of people with no food. And Jesus said to the disciples, find out what we have. And they came back and said, there's a young boy here with five loaves of bread and two fish. But there are thousands of people here to be fed it'd be like if we had a few fish and some loaves of bread here and we think we've got a hundred odd people here. How are we going to feed all these people with just this much? But a good-hearted boy with two fish and five loaves of bread, or I'd say probably two, five loaves of bread, just small rolls probably, and he uses this offering from a generous heart to give to Jesus to feed the need. Don't, Don't ever underestimate what God can do with your resource when you put it in Jesus' hand. His preparation, that young boy's preparation that day caused the spark for a miracle from his good heart to give all that he had. He's he's like, well, you know, they're asking for food, but he's probably thinking, well, I've got some. Surely others have got some. But he was the only one who had anything prepared that day. But he gave what he had, all of it, to the to to Jesus. So, the hoarder in this situation would never give their lunch away. They'd have to stash it away. I mean, that, I, I guess that's uh, in some people that's a common thing. Well, I'm I'm okay. I'll, I'll just chew quietly, sneakily. Just pull out little bits at a time and no one will notice that I've got food and they haven't. But the hoarder in this in this story would have stashed it away. I'll save it for later. I'll sneak off and I'll eat my lunch without everyone else. The scammer would want to sell it away. They'd want to profiteer the moment. Now who who hates going to the to to, to shows and that where you, you you're locked in and you've got to buy the food and the drink and all that there, and it's always at inflated prices a little bit like at the airport you're kind of locked in and, and you're at their mercy so the hoarder would, would stash it away the scammer would want to sell it away and profiteer but there's a, always a good hearted one who gives what he has to bring a blessing to others and thousands were fed The point is, we just never know what God can do with what you are prepared to give to the Lord. You never know what God can do with what you're prepared to give to the Lord. And we might think, well, Robert, you're you're really stretching things out a little bit here, but I I really want us to bring us back to Jesus in the temple, watching the people bring their offerings, and Jesus has never changed. You might think, well, no one notices, no one knows, no one asks me, no one knows what my income is, and, and I don't want to know. But I know who, do, who does, and he's gauging your heart by what you're giving. And his name is Jesus. It's not a real sexy message, not a good you know, uh, uh, message of, of um, uh, you know, outreach, I guess. But we're talking to the church this morning. So hopefully, if you're, if you're not used to church, you know, I, I apologize. But the boy gave it all, and he set off a miracle. He set off a miracle. That old woman that Jesus watched out with her two copper two copper coins. Jesus says to his disciples, Hey guys, come and have a look at this. He says they're watching the rich people. They're putting in their their money. They're putting in out of they're putting in their surplus, but they've still got plenty more. And Jesus says, Guys, this lady, she put in two copper coins, that was everything she had. But she's actually given more than all the rest. So we could we don't have to measure, but what's this going to do for the kingdom of God? This little bit that I have. Because Jesus looks at the spirit behind, not the, not the size of what it is you've got to give. And I believe this morning the Holy Spirit's here to work within people, to work within this church, to give us generous hearts that spark miracles wherever we go, wherever we're sent, wherever we can. We want to we be a generous church. It's never about having uh, a lot to give. It's about a good heart to give what we've got. And we want to do that. We want to support other churches, and we do. We want to support missionaries and, and support their families, and we do. We want to be able to give back to the city of Port Lincoln, and we do. And and we want to have a generous heart all the time. We don't want to be limited by saying, well, we've only got this much left. We want to say, well, if that's what we've got left, we're going to give out of that. Many years ago, I was a youth pastor in a place called Mount Barker, and, and we had a youth group of probably 35 regular kids. all together. if we got them all together in one place, a bit like church, you'd probably have 55, but on a normal Friday night service, we'd have about 35 kids, and we made a decision as a youth group that we were always going to give out. And so we'd, we'd hear stories of some lady who's sick and you know, her, her garden's out of control. And and so we would say, we'd find a, a gardener and say, go to that lady's house. We'll pay the bill and clean it all up for her. Get a skip, whatever you need to do. And, and we were sowing out and then we found, you know, uh, found out of kids in a primary school who were sitting in the class when the rest of the school was at swimming lessons. And 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 they they were staying at in class because their family couldn't afford the, the 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 fees to do swimming lessons. And the youth group found out about it, and we said, well, well, we'll pay. We'll go to that school and say, how many kids are there? We'll pay for their swimming lessons. And the school was like, what? Okay. And then we extended that to to about five other schools in the in the district, and we went to the school and said, are there kids in your school who can't? Who can't do swimming lessons because their families can't pay and they said yes there is tell us how many and we'll pay the bill and and so we started sewing out and out of and and the 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 climate in the church was a church never had money but the youth group had money in the bank like six seven thousand dollars all the time and we'd be giving it out and i'd say Oh, we've just spent $2,000 on swimming lessons now. And I'm thinking, oh, the bank balance is going to look good. That next, that next week, it's something like the bank balance is back where it was. I mean, you can't work that out. But I know when you have a generous spirit in your church, your church will be blessed. And when you have a generous spirit in your life, your life will be blessed. You don't give to get, but you give because you've got a good heart. So so don't mistake what I'm saying. Oh, I've got to give because then I'm going to get. No, you've got the wrong You've got the wrong lens on. Give because your heart's good. I don't want you to give if your heart's bad and you're giving it because you think, well, now God owes me something. No, but, but I want to tell you from my own perspective there. And, and I remember the church board would be pulling us in saying, hey, well, hang on, we need some of your money because the church really needs it. And, and how are you doing this? I'm thinking, oh, I don't know how we're doing it. But, but the more we, the more we gave out of a good heart, we just couldn't keep up with the giving. That's honestly, we could not find enough things to give to to keep up with how much money you came in. But we were giving because we had a good heart. And I want One Heart Church to be known as a good-hearted church, not a greedy church, not not a money-hungry church. We want to be a money-blessing church. So it's never about having a lot to give. It's about a good heart to give what you've got. So I want to pray we begin to see the need of our world around us that are looking for Jesus, looking for God, And let's not be a church who who make the way, let's be the church, sorry, who makes the way for the miracles to happen in people's lives, for the miracle of salvation to come to families, for healings to come, for provisions to be met, because we're a giving church, we're a generous church. So I want us to enlarge ourselves to be a large and a good-hearted person who, who know how to give, who know how to be generous from a good heart. Because you can't be generous from a from a stingy heart. You might be able to do it once or twice, but then you're going to be saying, "Hang on," because a stingy heart says that you owe me back for my generosity. Who's ever been caught by that? Think, well, I really needed the help, and they helped me. They they were generous to me, but actually, they were the, the heart motivation was stingy, and then they they were saying, "Hey, now now here's my payback." Here's here's a time you need to owe me back. A generous heart doesn't live like that, doesn't even think like that. So why don't we bow our heads this morning and we're just going to pray. Jesus, I pray that you enlarge each one of us today to be large-hearted people, to be good-hearted people who understand your your perspective about finance, about money, about uh, about wealth, that we may handle it correctly. God, I pray that you make me a generous giver. Lord, I pray for each person who you're stirring here this morning, that you cause them to get a, a spirit of generosity um, come upon them today. Lord, I pray that uh, you help us to see your hand at work with just the small things that we can do. We can't do everything. Maybe we don't have a lot of resource. But Lord, with the little bit that we have, Lord, I pray that we'll see, we'll hear stories, we'll know stories of people in this church who said, Well, I didn't have very much, but I had uh, I had a, a stirring in my heart to do something. And Lord, I pray that we'll hear the stories of lives changed. Families coming to church, families coming to, to 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 Christ and having their their whole world turned right. And Lord, I pray. I I want to pray, Lord, that we choose to be the blessing, to be the good heart to the city of Port Lincoln. So, Lord, I just pray, grace us with that today in Jesus' name. Cause your grace to be the motivating factor in our hearts, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Come and shake my hand and give me a kiss later and tell me you still love me. See ya.